Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. And this is Sacred Sunday. I'm your host and friend, Reverend Shar McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to focus on the tenth of Sunday. It's a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of my Ryrie Study Bible. And you can use any Bible you wish, of course. Um, 
in gratitude for the many spiritual experiences and gifts that I have received. We have ongoing Bible readings throughout the year, and uh, we're making our way straight through the New Testament. And now we're in Second Corinthians chapter 4 this morning. So uh, if you don't have a, a Bible, go to uh, com, and they have an online Bible there. Uh, the call-in number for any special prayer request or anything this morning is 619-924-9744. And we air every Sunday, uh, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Sometimes it's a little earlier, but I, I always keep everybody posted. So let's say our morning prayer together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much. And we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide, and we pray for the people that are immigrating right now all over the whole world, um, especially those that are immigrating from Syria trying to find a place to go. They're actually converting to Christianity, and some miracles are happening out there for those who have been persecuting people left and right. What's happening is they are leaving their nation and going and and to the other other people that open their arms wide. And I want to thank Germany and Hungary and all the other countries that are, are welcoming these poor uh, pilgrims that uh, once they get here, they're converting to Christianity, and that's the miracle that comes out of what some people do for evil and distorted reasons. God always turns it around. So we pray for them that their travels. I was watching it last night. And I was so sad to see how tired they're traveling for weeks and weeks on foot. And uh, they must be miserable, especially those pregnant and with little kids. And our prayers go out for them. And we pray for all those suffering from violence here at home and abroad. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body and those who are lonely and uncomforted. God, please forgive us our sins. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes. And we pray for freedom from addiction of all kinds. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect all of us and all your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. We have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all the countries for problems and suffering for all the world to be alleviated. We ask this in Jesus' name. Please bless us and help us grow in, under your care. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want to thank you so much for everything, everything, for everybody listening, your kind words and your prayers for me. So please keep me in your prayers. I appreciate it. I want to say happy birthday to everybody who has a birthday today, and uh, especially my friend Don Anderson. Happy birthday, Don. And also, uh, happy Grandparents' Day to all the grandparents out there. I'm included one. I'm also a great-grandmother, and I really want to pray for those grandpas and grandmas that are so good to their children, and uh, sometimes they're picking up the slack. And uh, that's what grandparents are for, okay? Love you very much.
Okay, and then I would like to say happy anniversary to all those who are having anniversaries today and special uh, things that are going on. And uh, also, if you have a special prayer request or intention, you know, you can get a hold of me at Shara McCain, P.O. Box 980, Hermosa Beach, California, 90254. Once again, the calling number is 619-924-9744. And you can also go, for more information, go to Bible, the B-I-B-L-E-G-H-E-E-W-A-Y, BibleGateway.com. And, of course, we're going to go review... uh, what we had for last week, chapter three, the summary, and the title is "We Don't Need No Sneaking Sneaking Letters." I don't know, that's crazy. Anyway, and Paul was getting a little braggy here, but maybe he tells the Corinthians that he isn't like the peddlers of God's word, and excuse me, he doesn't need to carry around a bunch of testimonial letter testimonial letters to tell everybody how great he is. Oh, so now Paul doesn't like letters. Anyway, the proof is a pudding for Paul. After all, he founded a whole church in Corinth, and he is the all that the letter needs. Booyah. Anyway, Paul goes on to say that his letter of the church isn't written in ink or chiseled on stone tablets. It's written on the Spirit of God on people's hearts. He fought the law. Don't get Paul wrong. He's not claiming to know any of this himself. God told him. God revealed a new way of doing things with Jesus. Now, people don't have to worry about obeying every single letter of the Jewish law. They just follow God's spirit in their heart. Paul retells the story of a time where Moses put a veil over his face and to show that those who continue to follow the law have hidden themselves from the truth. They're discovered and they're in darkness. Those are pretty some pretty thick veils. Anyway, the Christians have lifted the veil and see how God for who he really is. Note to the Corinthians, throw away all your veils. And what the what he's speaking about is that Moses had a light when he went and got the tablets on Mount Sinai, his face and his hair grew white and his face was shining bright. But you know, it didn't stay shining like that. It actually started fading away. And then he started wearing a veil over his face to hide that he lost, you know, the the immediate shine that he had. And uh, that's what they're referring to by the by the uh, veil, as as far as Moses is concerned. Okay, just one second, please. Okay, so let's turn to our Bibles. So our reading today is Second Corinthians four, the character of the ministry, and this is the supernatural. Four. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestations of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For we do not preach preach ourselves but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of 
of Christ. That really touched me. Let's read it one more time. So let's go back to six. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has has shown in our heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Okay, the circumstances of the ministry. We're now in seven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about the body and of the dying Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to the death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound in the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but through our outer man is decaying, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentarily, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, for the things which are not seen are eternal. Now that's the paradox right there. Let's go back and read the notes. We do not lose heart. And Paul credits his effectiveness to the mercy of God. And then Paul contrasts the deceitfulness of the false teachers with his own openness. And um, at four four, he's referring to the God of this world, which is Satan. And on four six, just as the physical light shined at creation, so Spiritual light shines in the hearts of those who become new creations in Christ. That's why I found that so beautiful. So, 4-7, this treasure, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ in earthen vessels, for example, in our frail human bodies, the surpassing greatness of power, Paul makes clear that this power belongs to God, not to any leader within the church. In four, chapter 4 8 through 9, it says Paul suffered both physically and emotionally. And now we're on 10 11. Paul here compares his own constant persecution and suffering to that of Jesus, in whose death and resurrection life the apostle will consequently share. And then we're up to 12. Paul's physical sufferings, death works in us, are the means by which the spiritual life comes to the Corinthians. And now we're up to 4 13 to 18. Though he is oppressed, Paul's outlook is one of hope. Therefore, he does not lose heart. Though his outer man is decaying, for this affliction is light and temporary, while viewed from the perspective of eternity. That's right. So whatever's happening here, we can also really say that we have an eternal life to look forward to. And that's helped me in so many ways just to know that from here we go on to an eternal life, that this is temporary. Because believe me, I know the hard times and that, Many people are having hard times in many different ways. It, you know, this what's happening here to us on this earth right now 
has affected people in many different ways, and we don't know what hurts one person hurts the other, but generally speaking, none of us here is without pain or confusion or wondering what it's going to be like. So, you know, we'll consider consider everything that we've read and uh, think about it and read it over again. And, uh, you know, we were just blessed by this. And anyway, I'm going to read you something out of a guidepost right now. So let's see. I'm going to find a story at random like I always do. It's a faithful little guidepost. It says, set aside a portion. This is from Ocelia McCarthy from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I was born on a farm in Wayne County, Mississippi, 88 years ago. I lived there with my mama, grandmother, and aunt. We raised corn, peas, potatoes, watermelons, and cane. We used to wash our clothes outside in a big black cast iron pot. When the four of us moved to Hattiesburg in 1916, we brought that pot with us. Like a treasure pot, it helped us make a living. In it, my grandmother and mother did washing for white folks. We carried the water from a hydrant, and mother did the washing. We filled three big pots that they had on a bench in the backyard of our little frame house, and mama boiled the clothes. She wouldn't scrub them. Then rinsed and hung them on a line with wooden clothespins. I can remember being just a small child trying to throw some washing in the pot. I thought I was helping, but what I really was was just tossing clothes around and messing everything up. My great-grandmother, who was there for a time, called to my mother, Lucy, get that child washed smaller pieces, the socks and things. So Mama let me stand on a wooden box and put a few pieces into the water, and that's how I began. I loved to wash and iron. When I started to go to Eureka Elementary School, I washed my own clothes on Saturday morning, standing on my box so I could toss them into the pot. Then I took my box out of the clo- to the clothesline so I could reach up and hang the wash in the morning sun. In the evening, I heated up that heavy old iron on the cook stove and did my ironing while standing on the box. And so I had all my clothes ready for the next week. I loved school and every one of my teachers, especially Miss Hill. I must have been about 10 or 11 one day when she asked, Oh, Lucilla, come here up to the desk. So I went up and she talked to me low so nobody would ever hear, Oh, Lucilla, who irons your clothes? I do. You do? Oh, my. Well, I've got a linen dress I'd like you to iron. Would you charge? What do you charge? Ten cents. But when I returned the dress fully washed and ironed, she paid me a quarter. At this time, I went, went on when one person told another and about my washing and ironing and the work that seemed to come. The more I did, the more money I made. Some children in the house where my grandmother worked had discarded an old doll and a buggy. So Grandma brought them home for me. I started putting dimes and nickels and quarters into the pink lining of the doll buggy. When I was 12, my aunt took sick, so I dropped out of the sixth grade to look after her. And I was so sad to miss out on the learning, but I felt good about helping my aunt. Here, my classmates moved on, and I felt so far far behind and never went back to school. Instead, I kept washing and ironing and tucking money under the pink lining of that buggy. I was the one who went around to the grocer and the milkman to pay our bills each month. One day I passed the bank and it seemed to be the thing to do to keep my money there. I took all my coins and dumped them on the counter and I can't tell you how much, maybe $5. The teller put my money away in a checking account and every month when I paid the bills, I dropped off more coins at the bank. 
All that is except for what I put into the collection plate at Friendship Baptist Church. Nobody instructed me to do that. I just seemed fitting to give God back something which he had given me. The years passed. When I was in my 20s, a depression came, and I kept on shaking and washing. I still used the old cast iron pot, but now I didn't need to stand on a box. On my days off, if anybody needed help for a party or something, I made extra money. I love to work. I always ask the Lord to give me a portion of health and a portion of strength and some work to do. And all the years, he did just that. I hear some people today have financial advisors tell them how to save their money and what to spend it on. Or people want more of this or more of that to make them happy. They just can't get enough. Well, the Lord portioned out the good things in life to me just fine. Who needs any more? I made a rule that I would always keep my church giving. And one year I made a payment on my insurance and my barrel pot. And every month I paid for groceries and my everyday needs, electricity, my gas, and the water. Over the years, God showed me how to spend a certain portion on this how to spend a, spend a certain portion on that, and how to save the rest. And it must have been him because nobody else showed me. One day when I went to the bank to deposit money, the teller said, Oh, Stella, if you put your money in a savings account, you will get some interest on that money. Yes, ma'am, I can do it. Can I do it? You can do it now. And then another visit on the key from the bank said to me, Oh, Stella, you ought to put your money in CDs and build up more money. Yes, ma'am. And when can I do that? Right now, she just said. So I did it, and it just kept adding. Sometimes $20 a month, sometimes $15. I only went to the bank to put my change in dollars and bills in, not to get them out. As long as I was able to keep working, I didn't see any need to take any of that money and buy things I didn't have to have. Once a man down Third Street was making a cedar shipper robe, and I paid him $40 for it. But that was the first and last check I wrote. I got my license as a hairdresser. In about 14 years, I washed and fixed people's hair. When Mama got sick with cancer, I went back to washing ironing at home so I could care for her. Things were changing after the war. I had been charging $2.50 for a bundle of laundry. But as time passed, people gave me $10 a bundle. Some folks were switching to hand-crake washing machines, but I kept using my cast iron pot and the line out back. I never needed much. If somebody gave me a pair of shoes that didn't fit, I just cut the toes out. And my Bible got so tattered from use, I had to tape it up to keep the pages in. I never needed a car. I always walked wherever I went. I pushed a shopping cart back and forth to the grocery store about a mile down the road. I've got an old black and white TV, and it gets one channel, but I never watch it. I'd rather read my Bible. In 1964, Mama died. In 1967, my aunt passed on. So I've been by myself ever since. I was alone except for the Lord. I kept on working even after the age more, peace, more people retire. It was December of 94 when my hands started swelling and I was doing washing for lawyer McKenzie and his wife. Mrs. McKenzie asked, what's the matter with your hand? Creeping arthritis, I said. I have a touch of it before, but it's got me now. It was mighty distressing I had to work at the age of 86. But I said, Lord, I want you to stay by me, guide me, and protect me in all things. And he sure did. At the bank one day, they asked me when I wanted, where I wanted all my money to go when I passed on. Mr. Paul Laughlin, he's one of the officers there, sat down with me and spread out 10 dimes. He told me that each dime represented 10% of my money. So he, I took a dime for the church, a dime for each cousin, and that left six dimes for a dream I always had. 
I want to help some child to go to college, I said. I'm going to give the rest of my money to the University of Southern Mississippi so a deserving children can get a good education. I want to help African-American children who are eager to learn like I was but whose family can't afford to send them to school. Mr. Paul looked at me for me and said, Mr. Stella, that means you'll be giving the school $150,000. $150,000? I never realized how much I had, and the amount about took my breath away. Lauren McKenzie just talked to me to make sure I still really wanted to follow through with my plan. Then I'm going to drew up the papers, and I made sure I would still have enough money if I ever needed it, and the rest would be given out over the years ahead, year by year. When the news of what I had done gone out, folks in the newspapers and magazines came around to find out who I was, and I didn't see what all the fuss was about. But invitations started arriving. To come visit the President of Washington, D.C., and the United Nations in New York City, I'd never been outside Mississippi except Niagara Falls one long time ago, and the roar, the roar scared me so much of the falls. But I went and I got the Presidential Citizens Medal and honored by the UN. Who would have thought I would make such a trip like that? Thank God. But for all the new people I met, the one that meant the most to me showed up right on my own front lawn. Last August, a lovely young girl ran up and threw her arms around me. Thank you, Ms. McCarty, she said, for helping me go to college. It was Stephanie Bullock, about to begin her freshman year, and the first to receive a $1,000 Ocella McCarty scholarship. Stephanie had brought along her mother, who was a school teacher, and her grandmother, who was a seamstress and her twin brother, who was in college also. We all sat visiting in a screened-in porch right off. We felt like family. Tiffany wanted all her heart to go to USM, but since her twin brother was starting his freshman year at Jones County Junior College, the money was pretty tight. Even though her grades were good, she was president of the student body at Hattiesburg High. She kept missing out on scholarships. Nevertheless, she had gone ahead and applied to USM on faith and her family had asked the Lord to help. Everyone in the Bullock family prayed for something to happen. Stephanie's mama, Lee Dresser Bullock, kept telling her not to worry, but trust the Lord that something good would come through. Lord, you told us if we ask, we should receive, Stephanie said, so I'm asking you for help. Then she received a phone call telling her she'd be the first person to receive Rochelle McCartley's scholarship. Within minutes, Stephanie's mother told me the whole neighborhood knew. I'm so proud. I told Stephanie right away I'm planning to be there for her graduation. Now I feel like I've got a granddaughter. I'm always surprised when people ask me, Ms. McCarty, why didn't you spend all that money on yourself? I just smile. Thanks to the good Lord, I am spending it on myself. What a beautiful story. Wow. I want to thank you so much for tuning in this morning and for listening. God bless you all. And this is our traditional closing prayer after a moment of silent meditation for those of us that are out there still suffering. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. I'll see you back here next Sunday, next Sacred Sunday. And I want to God bless you all, and please tune in next week. And we love you all very much. And remember that you're never alone. And Keep keep praying, keep praying. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. God knows where, knows where you are. He knows every hair on your head, and he blesses you and blesses you. In closing, may God bless keep you in his loving arms. You may have the strength to face 
whatever is ahead. You're never alone. God loves you so much, and I love you very much. May your best dreams come true, and true love in your your heart. Message me if you have any concerns or prayers, or if you need to discuss something. Bye, my friends. Happy trails to you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you.